I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happy today on this episode of Your Killing It. Yes. yes, that one was on time, I think. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, we, no. uh, Let's blame it on the internet lag. I'm on dial up. So. Every time. That's why. Oh my God. That's what Tam always think thinks that we're getting it on, but we're just not. It's so funny. Anyway, um, today's <laughs> special guest is my dear friend Ollie Sansom. I'm so excited Yay. to chat to Ollie today. Yay. Uh, Hello, Ollie. Extraordinaire and all-round legend. We've got a topic today yeah. that we're going to kind of um, riff around, but I know this is going to, I know the, the um, conversation will go everywhere, but today's topic is that thing that all creatives have to do at some point. It's choosing between, I guess, paying the bills and creating mm. beautiful art. And I'm Ollie's someone that I've found has been able to manage that really, really well. So definitely want to touch on how he's been able to do that. And I think that's one of the hardest things that creatives and artists find, um, getting that balance right. But let's uh, let's start from the start. Ollie, hello. How are Mate. you? <laughs> Splendid. How are you doing? Um, how do you actually <laughs> define yourself? If someone says who are you what do you do do you say photographer do you say creative do you say like how do you define yourself it's like where I live you know I I tell people I live in Footscray and you know that being a Westie because the suburb I actually live in is all of about two blocks so no one's heard of it so (laughs) yeah I think for the same reason I just I tend to roll with photographer like it ends up occupying most of my time um, but yeah, depending on who I'm talking to, I might, I might drop the CD bomb creative director, um, Ooh. because, you know, I tend to like dabble in some like, you know, digital sort of led projects. So yeah, it really depends who I'm talking to and what's going to make the most amount of sense to them. Yeah, for sure. And, and, um, you've got a design background. Like when I met you, you were a graphic designer essentially, and then you jumped over to photography. You've kind of got all of these really amazing skills that, just lend itself really nicely to everything you do, which has always made me just really mad and jealous of you because I don't have any of those skills and it's annoying how good you are at everything. So I'm just getting that out of the way right now. Um, um, I'm, 10, I'm 10% good at 10 hundred things. <laughs> That's what I would say. It absolutely works though. It absolutely works. Well, let's, um, let's give a bit of a background into, I guess, how you started into uh, photography and also we worked together really early on. We can tell that story too. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. We knocked out a few <clears throat> glorious hip hop videos, didn't we? 
back in the day. videos, yes. bunch of weddings. Um, yeah. We did a it's lot of work things. together very early on, yeah. It's cool. And that, yeah, I look back so fondly on that little osmosis of just coming together and starting stuff, uh, you know, for shits and giggles. But, yeah, um, I guess I started as a user experience designer uh, and I kind of merged a background in illustration and animation with that. And, you know, that was at the time when flash design was in full swing for websites. So, you know, if a website didn't have crazy ass cartoon characters jumping around, was it really a website? Mm. So there was a lot of a lot of that in the mid uh, first decade of the 2000s. Mm. And, yeah, it's just kind of morphed to now where I'm just mixing all of this mixed media stuff together in, in various different ways. But, you know, the stuff I'm kind of passionate now about is learning design and how we learn and going and creating, I guess, learning objects for the niche that I've been in for the last 10 years, which is now photography. Yes. Yeah, we're wow, definitely so going to... Um, yeah, we'll touch on that. Um, sorry, sorry, we're going to touch on that. Too. No, does that make any... Does that, does that like answer? It does. Yeah, 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 it does. And we're going to touch on um, something you just launched yesterday too, um, a little later on, um, which Ooh. we'll be very excited to talk about. I kind of want to really touch on that a lot actually but um just recovering but, from the trauma of that so let's not go there yes oh look you don't have to tell me <laughs> i totally understand about the trauma of building and launching something like that is uh you're just wondering why the hell you decided to do it most of the time but <laughs> <laughs> one of those commitments that you're like oh man i'm already deep in the hole now i just need to carry on and, and get it out there i think that's an interesting one actually how what's your take on um like with all your design work and things like that, what's your take on kind of, are you like just build it and release it, ship it out there, get get it over and done with, don't overanalyze? Mm. Or do you like to sit on your work and think about it? You know, like what, what, how do you, uh, what's your approach? I've had so many arguments with different people over the years on that exact, that exact topic. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I remember a friend years ago chastising me quite rightly for like not having a business plan or any of that stuff. And now I understand yeah. what a business plan actually is. It isn't what I thought it is. It's not agonizing over a 200 page document where you're no. writing all of these things that are going to become redundant in two months time. It's, it can mm. be a more esoteric, ambiguous, um, blank slate, but still qualifies mm. as a plan. So yeah. yeah, to answer that, I just launch into stuff like head first and I feel like that becomes yeah. more useful as you've done like a couple of different things and you can more mm -hmm. quick it's quicker to tie stuff together and iterate it yourself than it is to think too much about it um yeah. I heard a really great quote the other day it was uh it was, it was do don't learn then do do then learn and yeah I guess that sums up yeah. how yeah. I tend to go and stuff but with that said I still love thoughtful long-form stuff like the photographic projects I'm drawn to they're not loud, instantly gratifying ones. They're long form, arduous bodies of work that someone spent a lot of time thinking about. So mm. yeah, it's a bit of both. That's good. I think that that's a healthy way to go because, you know, the the very thing that stumps a lot of creative people is that they do they do sit on their work and become bedroom artists sometimes because they they it, a lot of the time, you know, people are perfectionists as well in the creative realm. And um it's like, oh, this isn't this isn't quite quite right. So I'm gonna sit and iterate on it and work on it. And then, you know, I mean I've even found that with writing music. It's like 
oh, I write this song and it means so much to me at the time. And then I sit on it and I tweak it and I change it. And then I book it in the studio and then I stuff around with the mix and the master. And then, and then a year's gone by and you're like, oh, I don't feel like that anymore. Like I, my, I'm, I'm, I'm a different person now. I'm not releasing that because it doesn't represent who I am. Like mm-hmm. that's shit. It's so frustrating. So I love your approach. I think that's really handy. And for those of you out there who struggle with the, you know, sitting on your your stuff in the bedroom, like not or your studio, whatever it is, and not letting it out to the world. Well, Ollie's got a good balance there. And we did talk about uh, that, didn't we, Mishy, that um, Ollie's balance and the way he approaches uh, his craft and his business side of things is, is a, a good balance. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um I remember uh, when you were making your business cards a few years ago, Ollie, you you sent me a text and you were like, can you send over some words that describe me? And I just yelled out, I grabbed the text. I said to Jarvis, I just yelled out to Jarvis. I said, um, hey, Jarvis, how would you describe how would you describe Ollie? And he just straight away didn't flinch. He's like, great guy, little eccentric. <laughs> and so I, I messaged that. exactly that like word for word and then I remember you put out your business cards and you had all of these quotes and that was like one of them that was on your business cards <laughs> I think it was on your website for a bit as well and I just love that about yes. you I love the quirkiness I love the just the way that your brain thinks like where does this stuff come from <laughs> like what what's that, going that, on there Ali that one there is like that was an interesting example. It's like, okay, if I'm going to bother giving someone a thing that they, you know, are biologically wired to throw in the bin, what will make it, what will make it change their relationship with it? And I thought, well, fuck it. Instead of doing like work testimonials, I'll do personal testimonials and ask mm. people that are comfortable speaking their mind. And um, yeah, they're the only cards that I've ever had where as soon as I give one to someone, they're like, oh my, there's a complete set. What? <laughs> Can I have them all? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so good so what so what um like tell me a little because obviously it's the first time for me to be connecting with you and meeting you which I'm super excited about I've looked at lots of your amazing work by the way which is fantastic um but what tell me like the most kind of eccentric like if someone's uh, described you to be eccentric like Michelle's just said like what what do you mean by that tell tell us an <laughs> example or something that would be uh, obviously, those business cards are. <laughs> I love that. I don't, what does Jarvis mean, Mish? What does he yeah, bloody what mean? Does he... <laughs> it's I funny though, because like, ask. it's so funny. There's really, there's really like levels to this, though, isn't there? Because like, I hung around, I was shooting some um, theater people, like a, a tiny little theater crew a few years ago. Mm. Um, not Moulin Rouge, as you've just um, <laughs> told us about, Mish, but yeah, like a, a tiny little theater crew. And holy Batman, they're eccentric. Like the way they like carve out this world in a 20 minute block and pull things out of thin air. I'm like, wow. Okay. Oh yeah. This is, this is next level eccentric and it's fascinating to watch. So um, yeah, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe don't answer that. I don't really, maybe to the detriment of some things think too much about a safety net. And I know that comes from a place of privilege, but I guess what I'm saying there is I kind of prioritize on being playful in everything that I do. And, yep. you know, if I'm, if I'm doing a, a front facing business that's, that deals with people, I, I don't want to do that in a dry way. I want to go, how can I just put play into every element of this? And it ends up maybe having a little bit of eccentricity in the writing and in, you know, how they're being communicated to um, how I'm talking to them on email. You know, I'm really, really relaxed with how I communicate with everyone on email down to the signature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think it should all be 
playful and fun, I guess. Yeah. 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 And so, um, because you, you've got, um, you've gone so obviously you start off as ux design so do, do you did you used to code like html and things like that as well the was it more like the the ux like journey user experience like journey mapping and stuff like that that you used to do a little bit of both but really really yeah. rudimentary code stuff like i can change a hex yeah. i can change a color hex code you yeah know, in, in my sleep like a boss yeah love it but anything more complex than that yeah it's pretty gone now um particularly because the way people code has changed so much in the last 15 years so yeah i'm yeah I'm, Definitely. But then I guess with that um, foundation of like understanding, a, you know, the value stream of, a, of an end to end experience, you would you would be bringing that into your photography and your creative uh, expeditions in, in that. Right. So it's like, for instance, what I'm interested to know about is like if you're going to go and kind of shoot a wedding, what's the overall process of like how do you then get into the bride's head and understand, um, you know, because you you got to try and like snap the personality and the relationship between the two and like how do you do that sort of stuff how do you bring those those thoughts and those personalities to life in a photo i think it come like i a lot of my filtering i, I never say no no to anybody uh i've yeah. always filtered the work that i've got on the front end you know like years ago i, d- I decided to try and create a folio where there was no photographs on there with the idea that like, how can I make people buy into a photographer using just words? And it leads to like really interesting ways of using copywriting to try and sell someone on somebody else's story. Like how can you, how can you make someone click this couple where all they've been given is eight words describing them. And it leads you down a really, really fun path of trying to make people click on really, really bold, the kind of copywriting you'd see in the like FMCG space on supermarket shelves where people have to grab their attention like straight away. So yeah, now I don't even ask me your question um, anymore. Ah, yeah. So all the filtering is done on the front end. So I don't, you know, you don't want to. I'd be curious to hear about both your opinions on this. You don't want to think too much about it in the moment. Like I just want to be responsive and watching and inhaling what's going around, and certainly not directing anybody or, you know, worrying about imposing myself on them. Because that old world of yeah. photojournalism is 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 beautiful and brilliant, and that's what I'm drawn to. So that's kind of what I want to make. Yeah, I think my, it's, it's, my, um, my process is really similar as well, Ollie. It's like it's trying to be as least as intrusive as possible. It doesn't matter what I'm shooting. It's mm-hmm. like trying to be really organic and draw. It's kind of like you use, you use your personality and making people comfortable so that they can kind of give you what you need in it, if yes. that makes sense, rather than directing yeah, them to what you want. It's kind of like... Yeah you're trying to capture the essence of who they are as a person rather than, I don't know, direct them within an inch of themselves. And I know that, I mean, you probably know photographers, Ollie, that are the complete opposite of that, that really like micromanage everything. And um, it's a really different mm, process. It feels stifled, doesn't it? I think that that's what's interesting for me is that, so say being shot on stage singing, um, I know because I'm in the middle of singing that I don't need to, worry about that photographer being there but then you go and you do some sort of like um I don't know you're at an event or you're you're a a bridesmaid at a wedding or whatever and you it's a weird thing because I think you can feel the synergy between the photographer and the like you know the, the the people that they're taking a photo of and I'll instantly know without seeing photos that a photographer just doesn't doesn't have it like and it's all about like 
this photographer is making me feel comfortable or this photographer is making me feel awkward and I don't know what to do. And that also making yes. me stand in weird ways that doesn't reflect my personality or like, I don't well, want, I don't jump. Really... Yeah. Yes. Oh, no. Why? Why would anyone be <laughs> jumping at a fucking wedding? Like, seriously. <laughs> oh, Unless honestly. they organically did it. Like, do you remember um, Ollie when uh, Nazi and Talis got married and they did, all the boys did that mark with the with the bouquet, which uh, is like an amazing yeah, moment of guys. just like, you know, all of our dude friends are just like that, which is really, you know, that's a funny thing. But if you're just like getting people to stand in a line and be like, ah, jumping. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. whack. It's oh, so whack. I know. And and this is the thing. I'm just like, you know, how do you pick, how do you pick a photographer? Like, um, so say for instance, like they're quite it's quite different in terms of Michelle being in the music world and um you know with the the people she photographs they come with um their their profile as well so it's two profiles coming together of um people who are chasing something that's mm-hmm. kind of I guess in, in the forefront of the media and people so what about when you're you're going off to um you know take take photos of people uh, in a wedding instance or in some sort of event instance and stuff um, with not necessarily, yeah, that sort of, um, I guess, um, I don't know, that that sort of thing behind them of being like, oh, this music, this person's a music photographer and this is a, this is a famous person they're shooting. Like how, how is that for you uh, trying to get in there and kind of create, I guess, excitement and kind of um momentum and those sorts of things is it is it yeah I don't know I just find it kind of interesting do you find it it, yeah yeah people people just want to be cared for yeah and they want to know that their person that's in that room in a space where they're with people they love they just want to know they're going to be cared for after the fact as well so any way you can kind of get to that point is what it's all about so I put a lot of time, you know, it's all about, and, you know, Mish should have some things to say about this too. The first, the initial point of contact is all about having camera down and just, just yeah. being a regular, well-adjusted human being. Um, and then yeah. uh, what afterwards, it doesn't really matter, right? Like if you've hung out for someone with someone 15, 20 minutes, had a laugh with them, what you, what happens afterwards is really, really fine. Like all of that, um, what's that word? Rapport is generated because I've seen yeah. photos of me, in the act of photographing and I look like my beloved pet cat has died or something, right? <laughs> I have this like serious veneer and I'm like, holy shit, is that what I look like when I'm shooting? Um, but but that doesn't matter because like I make so much effort to talk with people and have nothing to do with the, the, the act of photographing, you know? Um, yeah. That's what it's all about. Also, I'll, I'll just like jump into and say that I think there's something about like even Ollie saying before when he, he had built a website, which is different now, but he'd built a website that didn't rely on photographs. And there's a there's a type of couple that are booking Ollie for weddings, or I think even other work as well. There's a type of person and client that books Ollie now that has a real appreciation for art and an, a, yep. a beautiful eye. And um, there's there's something to be said about... I mean, I really feel like they often they're just going to be letting Ollie do his thing because they they know that he's going to get the most amazing photographs you've ever seen. Like he he it can't really be if anyone doesn't know Ollie's work, um, you'd absolutely have to look it up, and you will mm-hmm. want to quit every creative 
pursuit that you have because he's so ridiculously talented and makes me <laughs> yeah. often just want to <laughs> sell all of my gear. But um, <laughs> I th- I'm not exaggerating. Um, so, so but dramatic. I'm just saying there's, some, there's something about it's true. There's something I think about the people that uh, book Ollie for stuff that really appreciate art and Mm. beautiful photography that I don't think is the same as all other wedding photographers. I don't think that other wedding photographers are lucky enough to get those clients. I mean, you know, Mm. Ollie, we've Mm. definitely had clients in the past that were not like that. There was some weddings at Mm. the start that were like very interesting. So he's had to build. Do you remember that wedding that they were smoking like meth in the the garage? Oh (laughs) my goodness. Some of the holy Batman. (laughs) I'm saying we when I say we we built our businesses from the ground up, guys. Like we've done it all. Um, so you into so, they were smoking meth in the toilets and stuff <laughs> in the garage. And you've got to try. I, you've, got to, you've got to try and take photographs while the the. Did you get any of the meth smoking? <laughs> I think we avoided the. I think we avoided yeah, that. But anyway, my, what a yeah. great documentary image had to make too. But that's the kind of stuff you, of course, can't get. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the grandma banging on the toilets where someone's in there like racking up lines. You might have to cut cut yes. this part out. But um, cut part. yeah, like <laughs> wild. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, but do you that's... know that's that's there's something about like yeah, I think um there's a sensibility in the people that appreciate Ollie. I mean, I'm assuming this is not always the case, but often they mm. know that they're gonna get the best of the best and I don't yeah. know. Do you feel like that, Ollie? Do you feel like you still get clients that micromanage you? I feel like you wouldn't I've, get them. I'm as often. Pr- oh, yeah, I've I've been pretty lucky. You always get like the thing I try to remember too is like the people that have booked me aren't my client. Like mm-hmm. they 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 might be two of eighty people that are there that are my clients. Yeah. So every every last person that's at a thing is my client. And, yeah. and similarly, if I'm shooting a commercial thing where, you know, it's not just about the subjects, the other people, every person in the room is my client and I have to mm. honor them and respect them in the same way that I'm doing the people that have uh, paid the bill. So, yeah. you know, with that said, you'll get people, you know, I might get a, like a highly kind of creative couple who, who book me and there might be, for example, a couple of guests who um, they're sort of not down that vein and they might have a different idea of what I'm there for. And mm. I just have to delicately navigate that too and make sure I serve them and have like a mechanism to give them what they want while not mm. pulling me away from the stuff I know I should be doing. Yeah. That's so interesting that no you say people. that. You can't throw your weight yeah. around. Like that's, that's not how yeah. we go about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all about that building that rapport and that trust and that um, safety there for, you know, and I, I love that approach that you take. Um, I mean, I like the fact that you make all of the guests and all of the people in the room a client. I would be your most tricky one because I would say, make sure you don't get me a double chin, please. Full stop. And I'd probably ask to show you to see at least five or six shots to make sure there's no double chin. I had a guy caught. He was a really cool guy. He's really fun. He was a, he's actually a um, graffiti artist, uh, professional graffiti and so now I've just got this I've just got this complexion of Margaret the double chin showing in photos so it's like Uh, once you've seen it it's like you're ruined for life it's like they've done a disservice to you in that instance but 
Oh my god. Um, well, <laughs> let's, let's, let's you call her. What well, he oh, called my double chin, Margaret. Why would you name someone's double chin? That I don't know. Is, but... So who is that person? Like they just should not be working <laughs> at all. Wow. I don't know why he called it. No, he, he, he wasn't doing uh, I don't know why he just named my double chin Margaret. So it's like, oh. make sure Margaret's Margaret's not out in any of the photos. <laughs> yeah, my God. It's not even that bad, my double chin, but I was just it's, like, you I've don't got even a... have a double chin. Yeah, yeah, oh I'm my like, God. <laughs> just... Zero uh, sightings of a double chin on this Zoom call. I can make one, <laughs> Make a double um, chin. <clears throat> Well, let's oh, let's get into the topic that we wanted to talk about, which is balancing <laughs> um, money and art. And mm. like, I do. I mean, we've had so many conversations about, I guess, people potentially we don't think is doing that well, doing the balance very well, that maybe they're doing one more than the other. Um, lots of examples of um, really, really creative people that I guess don't even know how to work it into a business and stuff like that. Um, that's probably one of the most common things like you see really brilliant artists that just don't know how to manage a business and then you sometimes you see the full other side where people just are shooting for the money and you see they lose their soul they lose their essence Mm. to 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 their art and Mm. I think you are really such a great example of someone that's been able to balance this have you always is it something that's conscious to you or is it just been a manifestation of just the way that you're constantly trying to play and, and trying to find joy in, in your photography? Oh, I try to go by this idea that you can, you can kind of have it all. Just, mm-hmm. you kind of, but you kind of can't at the same time. Like I'm still pretty commercial. Yeah. Like I've got a wedding business that occupies a whole lot of time. I've got a little styling thing that takes more time, do some commercial stuff. And then pretty quickly, there's a lot of layers there that are maybe not true art, but whatever whatever that is, I guess. But if I can sprinkle a little bit of that in all of them somehow, that's kind of enough for me versus someone else who might be dealing with having their art put into galleries and doing collaborations with, you know, I've got a couple of friends who do collaborations with furniture shops. So they have all of these like really exhaustive artistic bodies of work ending up in these really public places. So, mm. and, you know, that's them taking that that bit further than, than I uh, have or or yet you know yet may but yeah I just like to sprinkle I don't know I like to do everything and go yeah I did a I did a I gave that a good a good crack and I mm. try to make them see a little bit differently than, than what they thought they would and that for me is kind of enough you had a question before about um ah oh, fuck it's gone you're gonna have this like gaping <laughs> hole to come out of this now <laughs> um, you had a question before that was like really um really pertinent here but now it's totally escaped my brain it might come back mm. to you so it's back. fine yeah yeah <laughs> um did you ever so it was it was kind of a I guess it, it sounds like you've shaped your career quite organically but did you actually have to sit down and go because I I often think about in the music realm which I always I always return to with that uh, where people are like, I don't want to go and do a job in a cafe or I don't want to do um, some sort of like, you know, job that's outside of my creative endeavors. So therefore I'm going to, you know, go play weddings. um, And so I can still work on my original stuff as well. But a lot of them find it, um, you know, a little bit, soul destroying because they're playing these three hour sets at a wedding and they're just like 
then they're too tired to go off and and write their own music oh, and and, and do the other gigs of the way. Yeah. So have you been uh, comfortably at peace with going? I'm going to go down the that that route as well. Uh, you know, rather than trying to just go and put your stuff in galleries full time, like. Was it just, yeah, did you make that conscious decision to go, I'm going to double down on this side of it and then I'm going to do side hustles or does it just organically happen that way? If by organically you mean like, you know, drunk on a magic carpet and then woke up eight years later and you're like, holy crap, this is what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> like, it's a, and you know, for me, one of the lucky ones where this whole C-bomb situation has been great because everything crashed mm. down and I've, I've, for the first time in eight years, being able to sit back and go, holy crap, what has happened? What am I doing? What the hell am I doing? And as mm. a small business owner, maybe you two can sympathize with this. It's like really, really quickly, you're in such a reactionary mode of production and you're mm. dealing with the day-to-day needs of stuff and trying to grow all of these tentacles. And it's mm. so time consuming. It's really, really time consuming. So it's not been intentful at all. And now my aim in the next couple of years is as fast as I can to try and consolidate the things that I am doing into a more manageable format with better automations um, so that I can free up space to do more of the, the you know, artistic stuff, which feeds all the commercial stuff for me and always has. So mm, mm. yeah, there's a big rebalancing act I'm trying to like nudge into now. Yeah. And what would be some uh, tips for people that you would give who are trying to reimagine, oh, you know, yes. their business at the moment? Honest, oh, it's so hard because like you can't, you, it's so hard to understand the value of that sort of advice unless you've, mm. you know, dealt with what it looks like to not have it. And I've, I've yep. been in those shoes, you know, I didn't get a proper CRM and automations in place until maybe five years into the business. And yeah, well. now I see how much time it's saved. And I'm like, okay, what, who could have communicated this to me in such a way that it would have landed right when I started? Cause I would have done it there and then. So yeah, the first, mm-hmm. the things I would do is like get a great CRM, one with good support. I use one called mm-hmm. Studio Ninja, which is made in Melbourne. The support's brilliant and it just takes so much of the load off. Uh, for editing, I outsource 90% of my image editing for editorial and wedding stuff mm-hmm. now. And I do the final mm-hmm. sprinkle of magic because I don't need to be sitting there for three days doing that quite mechanical part of the process. Yep. So I give that to somebody who can do it faster. So I'd automate mm-hmm. as much as possible, get a CRM, it's get smart. a really, really happy. And um, yeah, proper investing time in that, like that'd be the best full couple of months that you would spend when starting something out. And that'd be my number Mm. one thing for sure. Yeah. Yes. That's such a good tip. I love that. Um, Yeah. Backup system. Oh yeah. Yes. That's gosh. All of that stuff that's really boring, but really like essential. (laughs) And take a photo. Yeah, mm. yeah. I got really a mate, and when I was living in a share house, I said, "Oh, can you take a Polaroid of me um right now?" Because I know this situation is going to be very different in twelve months. And I was in the <laughs> share house, shit everywhere. I just, you know, left my full time job to start up, and I was starting this business. And there were piles of hard drives on the desk, and I'm so glad I've got that Polaroid um tucked away somewhere, <laughs> never to be How seen. Good. Oh, oh, can you find it? That. Can you find it for us so we can we can put it on our? Oh well, yeah, that would be amazing if we could. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh my gosh, <laughs> if we can find it. Yes. Um, something we've both noticed, Ollie, is like this wave of, um, I guess, thought leadership, and it really tends to kind of stifle and discourage creativity. Where do you think this has come from, and how do we kill it in its tracks? <laughs> 
<laughs> that was such a brutal Stab question. I love how there was no chance. How do we kill it with fire? I, we, oh, because I didn't know I mean, she felt so strongly about it. I do. I feel very strongly about it. And I've had many, you know, private conversations with Ollie about it. it it's frustrating to me. So um, can you elaborate on what you mean by thought leadership? Yeah. So people that are listening can, yeah, can we, can we elaborate on that? Yeah, I guess um, people that they put themselves kind of on a pedestal about like how to do this business to create money and it becomes a like a money generating thing and all of mm. the fun and art and creativity. It's literally about funnels, um, you know, clients making twenty thousand dollars in three days like there's nothing and there's mm-hmm. you know there's i i feel like it um real yeah it just stifles the the, the creativity i think mm-hmm. um what do you think ollie oh it's, yeah it's really tough because because you have to put like a pin on yeah what we're talking about because like on one <laughs> hand it's like we want to be able to empower small business owners to make it as good as they can but on the other hand that can become a really an incredibly toxic thing that like you're saying pulls them away from being creative and then you know the third prong to that is there's a guy kai branch he runs a magazine called off screen magazine and he shares a lot of really really great stuff on the evolution of capitalism and individual versus corporate responsibility and how that's changing shape and Mm. seeing the path he's going down has really shaped my thinking with all of that stuff you're saying there too mish about it Mm -hmm. just being manifestly pretty toxic and something Mm -hmm. we've got to kind of uh, quash out but yeah, it's the, the balancing act of marrying that with the yeah the merits of getting a business or a creative practice to a really healthy financial place. Yes, so yes, that that balances where I think it's out of whack because it because if you start mm. focusing just on the money, there is an authenticity and organic nature. I think that's just lost. Like if you just in my so in my opinion, I'm like. I'm like, I'm the opposite. I was like, work so hard and so much on the stuff that you love that the money comes like that just comes later. It has to, because you can't, you can't work that hard that you, you know, you're working so hard that you just can't be ignored. Success Mm. will come. And and, and people, I don't think like to hear that. I think people want a, a shortcut to the money and then in that process, I feel like that's where you lose the soul and the creativity. I think, Anytime there's a there's a shortcut to stuff, it's really tricky. I think, you know, I mean, we're speaking to two people that have courses here. There's merit in teaching people the skills that they need to build up a business in different ways. But if it's solely focused on income, I think that's super detrimental. I think that's one part of about a hundred piece of puzzle when you're talking about art being a business. And maybe that's why that movement you're kind of talking about has come out because it's a really low hanging fruit to sell someone the dream of 10 steps to et cetera, et cetera. It's a harder one to sell you the dream of being creatively fulfilled and financially sound together. It's a, yes. there are a lot more complex moving parts. Um, yeah. That's to get, such a good point. That is such that, a good yeah. point. And, and to be honest, that's been the trickiest part with my masterclass the selling part that writing it was so easy, but the selling I find really difficult. And I find I'm actually almost allergic to it because of exactly what we're talking about, because all of the stuff that teaches you how to sell courses is like that, you know, the five easy things, and then you get them in this funnel and then you have all this stuff. And it just, 
feels gross to me. So like, you know, I'm working with a team of people and they continually throwing ideas to me and they know now, but I'm just like, oh, no, can't do Like it has to feel authentic and it has to feel like I don't want it to take away from my integrity as a person and an artist. I genuinely feel there's so much really valuable information in this course and I want as many people to be able to, to see that and, and to learn from it. And yes, in the process, I'll teach you how to make money, but it's like a byproduct of a bunch of other stuff that I'm teaching. Does that make sense? Probably well, that, not. That's where the, no, no, it does. <laughs> and that's where I feel like, you know, the, I guess the people you're talking about, the people uh, coaching coaches, like coaching leaders, coaches, yeah, leaders, yeah, yeah. whatever the hell I think yeah. is, there, there is such an opportunity there for them to bring in like really great communication design into how they're selling their own practice because it's like you say, it's it's nauseating the way that the funnels are being sold and relatable tick boxes and stuff and miles long sales pages. When you see a really totally. great piece of communication design, you're like, holy crap, they've they've said they've delivered me an incredible message in four lines. They've made it massive. They cut out all the fluff and it's hitting me yeah. in, um, in, in the right place. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love but, what um, like Tam and, and the wellbeing guys are doing in that, that there is a really, Thanks, Mish. It, it, well, it just feels less about, it's really about getting artists to f- fulfill their true potential, which mm. obviously involves financial stuff, but other stuff as well. Like it's a really organic way of doing it. And it's why, why I like to be involved in it. It doesn't feel icky like some of the other stuff that I've seen around I'm just like oh no mm. no I'm just that's I think, not for me I think from our perspective it's all about building the community and the connection and the relationships and that to us is what's important in our lives as individual people and it's what draws us together as a team because we value relationships we value people who um you know are driven who like who are empathetic and kind and so you go around you look for your kind of people right and then connecting all of those dots together you start to formulate a brand that that people want to be a part of and there's nothing icky about that if you've got a brand that people want to be a part of and they want to be involved and they want to be on board then that also makes the hey when we are ready to sell stuff you guys trust us like here you go here's something we made for you because we know you and you know us and we know you're like this and there's nothing yes. icky about that and I think that the difference is that people try and uh, conjure up ideas and conjure up uh, products and they go and try and sell them to people that they don't know they go and try and sell them to an audience that have no connection no with them whatsoever yeah. and that's what makes it gross is it's this hard and fast sale Whereas for, you know, for us and yourselves and like, you know, Mishy with our staff and um, Ollie with yours as well, it's like, we've just been, you know, stipulating that it's all about the relationship building, the psychological safety, the understanding your people um, and what they like. And, and then that's where, that's where, like you said, Mishy, that the money comes after that, because you've built that brand up that people know and trust. And that's why the, why they will pick, pick you over somebody else. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's the, you know, often people are allergic to the the heart, the work, the work that uh, mm. is building and the establishing the trust. So they want that shortcut. And, you know, I don't, there's people that are mm. really successful doing this. It just, it doesn't feel organic to me at all. It feels, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel right. So that's not, you know, the path that I've particularly yeah, gone it's, down. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, Ollie, I want to talk about 
strange atlas because you just launched it yesterday yes. and tell looks, us congrats yeah tell us all about where did this idea come from what is it and yes. why did you do this <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he said as he was banging his head against the desk at three in the morning <laughs> I ended up, I ended up, um, oh, mate, I I ended up, um, 20% of it was launched anyway. So I I got to a point where I'm like, I just, I just have to put it out. I've said, I'm going to put it out. I've got to put it out and I've got to make, I've got to find a way to make it 20% of it work. Um, so that's what's happened. And, um, yeah, she's out. It's done. It's, um, it's an education platform or space for photographers. So, you know, because I've been in, in weddings and people and documentary photography for eight years, that's kind of my niche now. And I, I'm fairly connected to the communities in there. So it's become, yeah, pretty obvious that there's a, a place for me to create something within that niche. Um, so that's what we've done. And it's kind of like pulled together my background in user experience design and copywriting and not wanting to create a platform that was so reliant on me as a dispenser of education coming up with stuff, which I've, of course, had to do for the first first round, but more the idea that what would it look like to create a space where it's kind of like walking into a guitar pedal shop and there's a, like, there's a little guitar pedal that makes the fucking roof explode and lightning bolts come in and there's a cupcake on the wall and a hat and, like, more of a... More tapping into, I guess, micro-learning and Love the it. diverse different ways that people learn things. So someone that might take a long course and get a lot out of that... Um, that might be their, their way of learning, but somebody else might gain more out of a more playful interactive thing. So I'm able to build interactive things that are really short form and just give people sort of punchy takeaways. So yeah, it's just a mix. I want it to be a playground effectively with a lot of cool free stuff. Yeah. You didn't answer the why part. The why? (laughs) Why did you do it like this? Because I like, I guess a lot of, Obviously, it's a lot of time and energy. A lot mm-hmm. of the content that I've seen so far is obviously free for people. Yep. So that goes completely against what we were saying before in terms of there's people out there that are just creating stuff to make quick money and stuff like that. This is like the completely different objective, I guess. What's your motivator behind doing something Oh, like yeah. This? It's, it's not all philanthropy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but here's the thing, right? You have, to, you have to approach stuff that you want to work well from a philanthropic point of view. Like it has to have, it has to have value. And it's that cliche that I'd heard a million times before it finally landed. Like you have to be a friend of mine, Cy Moore, he's got a saying he always throws around. It's like, just make work people are fans of. And, you know, he's applied it to his music career and his photography career and, I really took a lot with that here. It's like people have to land on it and be able to play with it and get stuff out of it without there being any salesy stuff whatsoever. And you build that rapport and then there's a whole bunch of things to sell them that I know are going to make an impact on how they edit. And I've already seen that happen. You know, I've had people testing Mm. an editing course I'm making and how they're editing their images has has Mm. changed. I don't want to sound like a wanker, but it's completely changed in in the 48 hours since doing that. So yeah. I know the stuff works. I know it's valuable. And for me, I want to transition away from being purely in a service business where I'm reliant on, you know, turning up to weddings that are now screwed for a couple of years and using all of these conference talks I've given in the last 10 years in a digital format. So it's, it's been awesome nice. for that, transitioning to more of a, a product model um, and moving a little bit away from a service model. And yeah, the aim is that product model will be more sustainable and make a bit more room for sort of crazy artistic pursuits. 
That is <laughs> that is that is smart. I love that. That is completely aligned with how I I would think in terms of you know the the service models just not the the way it was pre COVID. You know, and it's not here. Being, yep. Yeah, and being able to reimagine um, your value that you can add to people's lives uh, in a way that it's accessible to them without needing to be there physically is where the world's heading these days. You know, so the fact that your thought process and all that's or you know doing all of that stuff well for the both of you you've both done and hustled these things during this this covid time and it's it's just you know for those of you out there who are you know kind of trying to think about the you know what do i do next and how do i reach people with what i've got um in the in these times where we can't travel and we can't do um you know this sort of stuff easily then you know what is your advice for people that might have some sort of idea or even no idea who need to think about that more product sort of um you know base so what would some advice be there oh there's um i something that i found helped me was like i've literally thought about this as i am building my new job that's the exact way i'm doing it, and i start my new job on monday that being yesterday so i've really had that Love mentality it. with it and that's something i found super useful for this and i think if you yeah. like apply that mentality of, of that like I'm, I'm building my new job or my new hu- hustle and yeah. if you're not that inclined to put a lot of strategy around the things you do as, as historically i'm not it it mm. somehow makes that happen and it did for me um i would mm. also say there's so many great tools out there that really help stuff like holy you know I'll, I'll, I'll reel them off really quick the tools that have helped me build this like learning figma I left design years ago and I'd never used Figma and I've been blown away how quick it is to prototype, um, build all of my assets in a single page in browser and can export stuff to PDF, JPEG, all of it. It's absolutely blown my mind. And I know that's really standard now for graphic and user experience designers, but the tools that are out there are crazy. Um, I've used a platform called Mighty Networks to build the course in, which is, is brilliant and Zapier to kind of tie everything together. Oh, so there's many really tools out there. So, oh my God. Oh, I've been Zapier. using Zapier and Bonjoro for um, some stuff as well that ties into it. Yeah. I just, it's such I a good time to make these things. Like, yeah, mm, it's, it's what. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So some good. Tips good. There. Um, and I like love dealing to, with. Sorry. Oh, sorry, go. You go. No, 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 you go. Dealing with, you know, I don't, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a trope, the imposter syndrome thing, but like knocking that the crap on the head. Cause I've had that in a huge way and you overthink the value of, you know, my experience has been overthinking whether I can provide value to my space. Um, mm. So really important to put a few small things out and get feedback as a way of kind of pumping up your tires and going, no, actually this is a, this is a good thing. So testing stuff early has been mm. humongous as well. Um, I was able to put together a 70 module course, well, a skeleton of it in two days and mm-hmm. getting, you know, five or 10 people into that straight away has been huge just to validate the ideas and get feedback. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. that. That's so good. Um, moving on from that, I'd love to know, because you're such a big inspiration for a lot of people that I know. A lot of people will just message me sometimes and be like, oh my God, you're friends with Ollie Sampson. Like I would love to be his friend. Like this happens to me all the time. Um, who inspires you in photography and and life i guess as well i have such a bloody ripper crew like around me you're one of the mishy like watching your career transform and i'm not just saying to pump your tires who goes from (laughs) nba to starting a theater company just being a photographer like it's endless um it's really really important to me that i have you know i don't give a shit this 
about the scale of what anyone around me does. And I, and I never have, you know, I've been, mm. photography is such a really interesting craft where, and I, and I say that, I say that not disrespectfully to people that do clearly great big things, but <laughs> photography is incredible because it gives you access to everything, right? You can be shooting, mm. you know, something quite small one day or rock stars the next, and you really quickly get to see how people have perceived different levels relate to normal human beings you know, mm. Um, mm. and I took a lot away from that. And it's like, man, if someone's at the top of their game, if, mm. if they're a great human being, they're just a great human being and they're not affected by the thing they've done. So, yes. yeah, the really important thing for me is just having great regular human beings around me that can talk about normal stuff and care a lot about what they do. So everyone that I'm close friends with who's in you know, the arts or small business, they really care about what they're doing and the impact they're making. And they, they clearly like love making it a great version of itself and all of the other stuff is a bonus wherever yeah. that goes. So yeah, long, long way of answering the question. Uh, yeah. My immediate circle, I, I guess like, yeah. yeah. And I've got a lot of you know friends in my immediate circle that are, are they do happen to be at the top of their game. Mish smashing it with all your music stuff and, Mm. Sai, my friend in New Zealand, who just just the way he talks about the world and and interfaces with creating portraits is is the most incredible thing to see. So, yeah, yeah that's that. amazing. I mean, they say that uh, you're most like the what is it? You're most like the the five to seven people that you surround yourself by. So it's like if you think about the, the five to seven people you're closest to that you surround yourself by, you'll become, you know, most like each other's type thing. So if you're surrounding yourself by inspirational driven people with similar values, um, you know, who are doing stuff that you aspire to and vice versa, then you're always going to be, you know, somewhere that where inspiration's at the forefront and, and you know, that kind of, which I think is cool. So, yeah, if, mm. if you've got friends out there, everyone who are dickheads, Get some new friends. <laughs> Surround yourself by good people who inspire you. If you've got some dreams there, go go find the people who are doing what you aspire to as well and, and surround yourself by them. Oh, and yeah, reach out to them. Like the thing that has blown me away, particularly with photography, where you're trying to you're trying to get in the space of someone who's done something cool or you interface with them for whatever reason. And it's really jarring the idea of cold calling someone. But so many people are receptive to cold calls if they're done with clearly great intentions. Like the amount of yep. times where I've DM'd an artist that I really admire or I grew up watching their whatever they made mm. and they've personally responded because it was really apparent that, you know, I was authentic in the thing I was mm. trying to do. Yeah. And I've been able to, you know, have these incredible moments with them. So, yeah, people, yep. people want to be reached out to and connected with and I highly recommend doing that with reckless uh. about hundred percent and that's the thing there's nothing to lose you know and I, I'm the same as you Ollie I often will message somebody that I'm a fan of of their work um and you know also if you're in a space of like needing some sort of mentor as well it's like find someone that you aspire to and go and, and hit them up and say hey look you know do you have any sort of uh you know one-on-one -on -one kind of coffee time so I, we could people I could learn from really, you and people are really receptive to that like I think it, mm. like there's a lot of I don't know I, I've had really great experience with that as well like mm. yeah people and say like I'm receptive to it if people do it to me as well do you know yes. what I mean like yeah. So receptive yeah. to that. So, so yeah. yeah. You want to know yeah. a faster way of like meeting a whole industry in a new place or a new genre of work you're working in. Do what a friend of mine did where she, I think she created a spreadsheet of like a hundred people in that yeah. genre. 
in Melbourne and she took every one of them out to coffee or as many as she could. And mm. it, it must have been the best, you know, 500 bucks she spent. Like, yeah, I've done that before as well, created a, a list of people and taken them out for coffees and connected and and um, it is an incredibly powerful. Um, and again, it's that relationship building. It's not even if not even with a, an agenda. It's just connecting mm-hmm. with people who you who you want to know, want to meet, want to learn from. Um, yeah, so that, that's some really good advice there. That's probably Love important. The, yeah, the no agenda thing, like and not having the words, can I pick your brain <laughs> in oh, the email? That's, <laughs> I don't like, that's the one I don't like. It's just like if you're going to catch up for coffee, that's cool. And, you know, obviously people want to ask questions and stuff, but when you feel like they have an agenda, because what happens usually is you make so much time for them and you give them all this information and then you never hear from them again and that feels really gross <laughs> as well. Yeah. If yeah, you have someone that's genuinely trying to get to know you as a person and in the, you know, in the process, you, you're giving information, then I think that's really lovely yes. and organic. But if it's just like, such, just wanna, this is why like, we get yeah. along so well. <laughs> We're such primal creatures. We just want to meet someone that we vibe with and yes. have a good time. And if oh, that's yeah. what it's going to be, then it's then fantastic. It's on I do God. think it's funny. I think it's funny when you get a messenger message or something like that and it's like, hey, Tam, what's up? And you're like, I can tell this okay. is going to be a message like this and it's all this fluff and shit. And then it's like, okay, what do you want from me? And at the bottom, there's always at the very end, I want something from you. Sorry, I haven't spoken to you for three, four, five years. It's <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, yeah, it's funny. It's I don't mind helping people out and stuff like that, but it's also like, oh, can you look at the messages above and see that you didn't respond to me for the last yep. 10 times I've reached out yes. to you? Like, yes. sorry. Yes. All, all the transference of good energy. It's, it's yeah. all that stuff is, isn't it? Yeah. It's so delicate. So well, I think my true. favorite motto in life is don't be a dick. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> such a great Highly motto. transferable. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, well. Ollie, this has been such a good chat. I won't take up any more of your time, but where can people find you on socials? And all of, I mean, you're, you have so many little offsprings and Instagram uh, I, I lost so my Facebook it? account, so I don't know anymore. <laughs> I'm at Ollie, no, Instagram, <laughs> whatever one it is, it's all gone. Ollie.sansom on the, uh, on the Instagrizzle. I saw yesterday that you had a new Instagram. I'm like, what? And then it was like, I, I lost the keys. Long the story. I, I lost my oh eight-year-old my account. Um, yeah, so here's no. the lesson we talked about. Like, Take your two-factor authentication backup codes and actually write them down when it prompts oh. you to. That's my lesson okay, for Okay, I'm doing that now. I just got locked if your out. your phone breaks, you're screwed. Oh, no. Oh. It's so I've, I've literally just had that. Honestly, where do you find that from? Where do you find the two-factor authentication? We'll talk about that. Oh, it's very <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you the word up. Right, Ollie, I'm going like, to rude Snapchats. Home. Oh. What's that? <laughs> what? Oh, just like have you got, have you got back into your Snapchat yet? Well, no. Or you're gonna have to wait and find out what's on there. And I'm like, I oh, don't want gosh, like <laughs> it's gone. Snapchat is gone. But I'm I'm very curious to see what's being sent. Oh, <laughs> well, I hope you so- get it back. <laughs> It's so ollie.sansom it's s-a-n-s-o-m um and strangeatlas.co on the instagram as well yes, and about 500 others branched off yeah, there yeah. You're the best. once you find one you'll find all of them so 
Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. We've been Thank looking forward to this too. chat for what so long. Um, so great. And we can't Yay. we can't wait for the world to hear just how amazing you are. And yay. Hopefully get to do it again yes. sometime. Yes. Thank you, Ollie. Thank so you nice me. chat. Woohoo. Yay. All right. Bye. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.